Kevin Proton with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Chris Parker. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. I'm glad to be able to be here. So tell our listeners, who is Chris Parker? Uh, so Chris Parker is the, the guy behind uh, whatismyipaddress.com. Um, I think most of your podcasts are about uh, initial startups, but I've been around for uh, almost 20 years. But it, in my mind, it really has been a startup the last couple of years <laughs> <Okay>. only. <laughs> so is that due to the fact that, that, that there was just a, a quantum leap in the last two years versus what happened the first 18 or? Uh, for a lot of the beginning years, I, you know, what is my Peters.com was never, I never started at thinking this is going to be my business. This is where I'm going to put my time, right. my effort. It was, uh, I was working for uh, an online or actually it was a catalog, uh, mail order catalog company. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were having a problem with their internet connection back in the day when a, when a one megabit internet connection was a big deal. <laughs> And we needed to know what the IP address was, and we couldn't find the little piece of paper that, that it should have been on, and we didn't want to be stuck on hold for 45 minutes. So we thought, hey, uh, let's look on the internet. The internet should be able to tell us what our IP address was, and uh, we went on AltaVista at the time. Absolutely. I don't, I don't even know if AltaVista exists anymore. I, uh, anymore, I don't think so. I, <laughs> for, for, for those of you who haven't been on the internet for 20 years, that's what pre-existed <laughs> Google yes, being exactly. here. Right. Facebook. <laughs> right. <laughs> All those things. And, uh, you know, honestly, we couldn't find we couldn't find a, a simple, easy, quick answer to it. And so I thought, you know, I can I've got a DSL connection at home. I've got an old Windows 2000 server. I can <laughs> I can put up a website that will tell people that. And that's how it started. It was just simply you went to that page and it was just the IP address in the window. There was no no logo, no content, just a number. And, and that was the beginning of, I thought, you know, I've made a useful resource for myself. So for, for us uh, non-techie mere mortals out here, what is the value of knowing your IP address or what was it 20 years ago? Um, honestly, in most cases, um, if you're not doing something specific, it's usually in response to a technical support problem. Uh -huh. I'm trying to get on Netflix and I can't get on. Or it I thinks can't, I'm in Barbados. <laughs> it's, it thinks I'm in South Africa or I'm in San Antonio. Yeah. or And that's usually where it starts for, for the vast majority of people. Um, gamers, uh, back in the days when you actually ran the game server on your local machine, you'd have to give out that IP address to people so that they could connect up to your gaming mm, server yeah. so you could play Counter-Strike together or things sure. like that. Um and uh, probably the more common thing these days is where people are confirming that they're actually using their VPN. So mm. they, they know what their home IP address exactly. is. They turn their VPN on. They come back to the site and go, ah, hey, it's different. I'm now, I'm no longer in San Antonio. I'm now in Barbados. So, so walk us through, you touched on just a little bit about transitioning from, you know, 20 years ago, typing in, trying to find my IP address, and then voila, I just created this website to, now it's actually a full-time business, and I've got people that work under me type thing. What was the, yep. what was the quick timeline in those, in those last 20 years? Uh, the, the, I don't know if there's a quick timeline. I was going to say it was, that. It, it, it was 18 that's years. a contradiction but, of terms. <laughs> but I could, I could condense it. Uh, went a number of years before I ever even realized there was any traffic coming to the site. Mm. Uh, Suddenly, I started getting alerts saying the logs on the, on the drive were taking a lot of space. So I started looking at it. Wow, a lot of people are coming to the site. Mm. So I uh, 
I put a contact form on there. Hey, if you have any questions. And so I was answering questions via email. And then I got smart and said, you know, I should, I should just answer these questions actually on the website. So I put together the 10 most frequently asked questions and put them on the website and added a couple more pages. And that's kind of how the, the actually starting the site came along. Uh, then I think in, uh, well, when when did Google AdWords start? Two thousand eight, two thousand five, something like that. Yeah, probably uh, probably mid to late two thousands. Yeah. Yep. So then I started to um, rather than you know trying to find specific advertisers, this Google AdWords thing was great. You put a little code on your site, and an ad comes up, and voila, you make you know a few dollars a day or something sure. like that. And so that was kind of the, the the genesis of my mind, like, oh, this could actually be a business. I. I can't make very much money off of any one individual user, but this is an incredibly common question and lots of people are coming to my site. You know, I should be able to make lots of money via ads. And uh, one, of the, one of the challenges in the early days was that that mentality of, well, let me just throw as many ads on the site as possible. <laughs> right. so, so rather than making one cent per person, I can make two cents per person and mm -hmm. quickly learn that, uh, People don't like that behavior. I'm starting to see that again. <laughs> uh, yeah. On websites where you, oh, I want to read that article. And it's like one sentence per page and there's 20 ads. Exactly. You got to keep reading Like, oh gosh. So, mm. you know, I really fought to balance the, the user experience with uh, my desire to be rich and famous. Uh, <laughs> and really just try to keep it like, you know, I need to cover my costs and, and make a little bit of money, but I really want to make the experience as pleasant as possible. And so that's kind of been the underlying theme for, for many, many years of, you know, what's really in the best interest of the people visiting my website. Right. Uh, you know, not, can I make more, Hey, if I talk about this instead of that, can I make a little more affiliate money? But to really say, you know, what's in my, what's in the user's best interest mm -hmm. and really be able to build loyalty based off of, uh, based off of that. That so process. really what you're trying to say is that your autobiography would be titled like the accidental millionaire or something to that effect. So I, I just woke yeah. up one day and 6 million people were, were coming to my site, you know? Well, it, it took that one day was about, you know, 10 years. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I did try a lot of other businesses and it, it, you know, kind of in the intervening years, I tried to compete with uh, Amazon and selling books and, yeah. Uh, you know, I did a variety of other little things that on little side gigs that never really kind of was just, you know, Hey, I, I worked an extra 20 hours this week and I made $20. That's mm. mm, just not a good use of my <laughs> That's time. Exactly right. Yeah. That is, I'd make more money making fries at McDonald's than I'm making online. So yeah. Um, so did, was your background in it? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 I'm one of those people that, uh, I would never follow my own or, uh, follow, do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. I didn't graduate college. Um, when I was in college and I was working at the, the catalog company at the mail order company, I was making more money than my college friends and yep. uh, making more money than, uh, a number of people that I knew that had graduated college and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I got into, got into sales and started helping them out with their website and it. And so I kind of, you know, that self-taught website developer, sure person. It's kind of where I came from. And that's kind of been what I've done ever since. 
I I am in no way ever wanting to disparage the college experience because I, I really did have a good time. Met my wife at college. Probably was the best thing that ever happened to me. But it's it really is interesting that I, I have a lot of friends in the, in the kind of the tech space and you know people that we interview. It's amazing that that their experience and training did not come from those four years that they spent in university. It came from just practical experience on the job hacking things on their own at night and on weekends, you know, typing in Google searches, watching YouTube videos and just doing it, just doing yeah. the, the task itself. So um, I wanted to uh, to ask you, when did you in that in that 20 year period or whatever, when did you wake up and say, wow, this is this actually is a, is a real deal. This is this is going to be my primary gig now. I think that that was kind of a transition. Um, probably about five years ago, I was making as much from my side gig as I was from my day job. Um, I really liked my day job. I was good at it, doing mm -hmm. web development for a and running the IT for an online life insurance broker. Uh -huh. And you know, my wife and I are both we're both very risk averse people, mm. which probably doesn't make for a good entrepreneur. <laughs> um, but the reality is that's you know we are just not the sort of people that we're going to like. Hey, let's just you know, let's just both quit our day jobs and do this with no with no safety. Net. That's just yep. not who we were or are at this point. And uh, so once my day job, when the when the uh, financial crisis hit uh, my day job, uh, you know, hey, we can't keep you on full time. Can you work part time? That was kind of like one of my first opportunities of like, oh, you know, I could I'll cut down my hours. I'll make less money. But it's still that kind of safety net where I can take my extra time. Sure. And, and, and put it towards my business. Right. My wife and I, we, we talked about it. We prayed about it. said, well, let's try it and see how it goes. And so we did that. And it was working well. Uh, it, was, it was kind of this nice balance where I, did, I wasn't fully at risk on mm -hmm. my own business. Yeah. I did have that, that day job to fall back on. And, you know, the, the economy started to get better. I went back to work full time for them. And then uh, they had some challenges and ultimately um, they went out of business. And so that was kind of my child, you know, that was the, that was kind of the, okay, either jump in or, or not jump in at sure. that point. So again, my wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it and said, okay, let's, let's give it six months. And if you can grow the, if you can actually start making, because you know, the, the business was making money without me putting a ton of effort into it. Uh -huh. So the question is, if I put more effort into it, Will it really make right. more money? Right. And so, so let's give it six months. And uh, over the next six months, the I was able to grow the business, grow the traffic, um, grow the content, grow the resources that I have on it, and, and consequently made more money. And uh, at the end of the six months, we said, okay, let's give it a year. <laughs> give it, give it, give it a one year extension. And then after that year, it was like, okay, this is this is doing good. Why don't you do this full time? You like this? You're happy? You can survive working from home? Sure. Uh, let's let's make this a full time gig. So that's kind of that transition of how it went for me. It was not a, definitely not an overnight transition, right. and, and what looked like what uh, at the moment seemed like a really challenging situation, getting laid off or getting reduced to part time, really for me just turned out to be opportunities to maybe I needed a little push to take that risk sure. that I otherwise wouldn't have taken on my own. But you know, it's that story is not unique, and it's not rare. I mean, there's there are people that you know are, are burn the boats type entrepreneurs. You know that I, yeah. I'm I'm jumping out of the boat. I, we are not looking back. We're going to burn the bridge. No no retreat. 
And so many times that, you know, they, they get six months into it and they're like, you know, I don't even like this. I, I burned every bridge I had. There was no transition period. I, I don't like working at home by myself. You know, I, I'm not a good manager of my own time and all these things that come up. And it's I think in, in some ways it's, you know, you, you almost looked at it disparagingly. You know, we're not we're, we're risk averse, but it's actually almost like risk wise in some ways, I think, that says, you That's know, the what? way we look at it. <laughs> Absolutely. That says and, and I'm and I'm pretty proud. I am OK with risk. So but I, I do see the wisdom in saying, you know, let's let's build a foundation that we're kind of walking upstairs instead of, you know, trying to run up a, a, a slick hill, you know, type thing. Yeah. So um, I, mean, I really like the way that you unpacked that and, and said that, you know, it, it's it wasn't just a 15 years into this. I woke up and web traffic was three million a, a month. You know, and I thought, well, wow, if I double the Google AdWords on here, you know, I can quit my job type thing. So and just, you know, stuff it with with uh, affiliate ads and things like that. I, I, I really yeah. appreciate the fact that that you are trying to to do things with your client and, and customer in mind. Yeah. Um, so many. I mean, you know, you, you and I can both show so many examples on on the Web of, of people that it's just bloated you know, with, yeah. with, uh, there's, there's so little value behind it and all they're relying on is just traffic, you yeah. know, to, to go through the kind of clickbait type type scenario. But so, so tell me you transitioned to full time. How long was it before you went from somebody beyond just Chris Parker working on this to, and where are you today as far as like your team is concerned? So over the last couple of years, um, so previously I'd written most of the content myself mm -hmm. on some things that I use some contract writers here and there. Mm -hmm. um, a couple, couple of years ago, I started working with uh, someone that I knew that had been a, a writer uh, at an agency and he was going his own way. Uh -huh. And so I uh, contracted with him to uh, start being kind of my primary content writer. I really, right. I, I liked his vision of really wanting to understand the content that he wrote about, not mm -hmm. just regurgitate stuff, sure. but to really understand it. And he really understood my vision of trying to write write about technical subjects for people who aren't technical mm -hmm. and, and really trying to avoid the mumbo jumbo, uh, uh, avoid the geek speak, the terminology, because if people can't understand it that aren't in the industry, then, you know, how's that helping anyone? Right. That's kind of. I think every industry gets that way. Once you're in the industry for a long time, you start using all the industry acronyms sure. and and people outside the industry have no idea what you're talking about mm -hmm. because it's not their industry. Yeah. And so he's been a gr he's been really good at uh, writing content that just a uh, much better writer than I am. Um, that really is able to communicate technical subjects in a non-technical mm -hmm. way. Uh, brought on a uh, contract graphic artist to uh, spruce things up because again. I'm not a graphic artist, sure. definitely uh, not what I do. And uh, about a year ago, um, probably should have done it much sooner, mm -hmm. but about a year ago, I, I uh, started working with a business coach. Okay. Um, which in some way has been a really good thing, but it's also been really challenging for me personally mm -hmm. in, in terms that he, he thinks very differently than I do, mm -hmm. which I think is actually, I don't, I don't think I'd want a business coach which thinks the same right. way. I need someone right. who who thinks differently, who can, you know, see things in a different light and has different experiences that can kind of just see things differently. And it's yep. not, I'm on the inside looking sure. out. He's on the outside I'm, looking at. I'm glad I didn't marry me. 
<laughs> you know, so, that would be disaster. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, one one of the things that uh, you know, what I talked about kind of being uncomfortable is that he's been really good at um, finding my tolerance of kind of pushing me beyond what I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, hey, you really, if you want to grow as a business person, if you want to grow your business where it be, beyond where it is now, you have to do things mm. differently. Yeah. You have to do things that you're uncomfortable with. And that was kind of a hard pill for me to swallow. But like, I've been doing this for so long, it's working. Yeah. But it's like, well, no, if you want to do better, which is why you hired me to do better, yeah. then you have to you have to do things that are uncomfortable. And one of those is. Uh, podcast interviews and, and <laughs> you know well i appreciate him leading you our direction <laughs> and, and it's you know after the first one or two the first one or two were, were a good experience they've all been a great experience it's really good for me to learn and uh, i think it's really helped me a lot you know one of the challenges of potential challenges of being a, a solo person is you're sitting in your home office and you sure. have less interaction and it's a way for me to uh, make sure that i'm really being kind of outward focused and connecting mm-hmm. with people, real people, as opposed yeah. to, well, they're just a, a theoretical person behind a screen that I can't ever see or ever really know who they are. Has that, has that transition, was it, was it easy? I mean, you went from working in an, I'm assuming some form of an office environment or cubicle farm or however you want to phrase that to, you know, working by yourself. What, how, what's been the biggest hurdle of the transition? And maybe that's, that's kind of our pain point. I mean, how did you overcome the transition of working from, or is it still a, a difficult obstacle? I, I mean, I, th- I think there there are kind of some generic challenges of of having from worked in an office to working by yourself. Mm-hmm. I think generic ones, which applies to me, is just kind of that social interaction. Yeah, that uh, I'm not inherently I'm not a social person. I don't generally like oh yeah i just want to go out and be in a room full of people that's that's not who i am but but i realized that i was getting you know a certain amount of social interaction at work which Mm -hmm. which kept me you know helps keep me alive that once i started working from home i didn't have that type of interaction it's not that i needed to be in a big room of people but i still needed to interact with living breathing people Mm -hmm. that i could connect with and so um, it's been a matter of just making sure that I have those things set up in my life. My, my wife tells me that when we go out and do things, I'm much more talkative now. <laughs> Always I, a bonus. <laughs> because I don't, you know, I'm not talking to people as much yeah. during my day. So yeah. there's, I, there's an outlet for that. I, uh, made sure that there's a, uh, a business, business and friend of mine or two of them from church that I, uh, that I get with each of them, yeah, maybe once a week, once every other week or so. Mm-hmm. We talk about our businesses. We yeah. just sit down, have coffee, breakfast, whatever. And I think that helps as well as just making sure that I'm realizing that that is a need of of for me to have that social interaction, and that I need to, you know, I need to put it on my schedule. It's something right. that I need to make right. an effort to do, not just kind of hope it happens sure. or let it happen. So is this? And, I mean, if you're online, do you? Are you hanging out at Starbucks? Are you going to co-working spaces? Are you are you doing other things that are intentional in that in that kind of space? You know, for me, no. I I I don't work really well. I don't work in well in those environments mm-hmm. where there's a lot of background noise. Right. I prefer my quiet. I I prefer sitting here next to my dog with him <laughs> sleeping next to me. 
with the air conditioner just right. Yeah, exactly. It's your environment. Is that a schnauzer? Did I did I see that or hear that on a on another interview that Yes, he is a mini schnauzer, which means that I have to silence absolutely everything before I do any <laughs> phone calls because he is always alert and always extremely vocal when he hears something that he doesn't recognize. <laughs> well, you know, he's probably a cheap VA too, though, for you. So, you know, yes. <laughs> and company. Well, before I, I we kind of transition to the, like the last uh, kind of the deep dive part, there's a there's a couple of three or three questions or whatever that I had just just looking at your website and, and just that I wanted to kind of unpack a little bit with you too. And uh, one of them is, you know, if you, you said that I, this whole thing started when I typed in, you know, what is my IP address? If you do that today, doesn't Google show you the IP address that you're, that you're logging in from just automatically? Yes, it does. Um, and and how does that affect your, your business? surprisingly very little and you're like how could that not affect you and this is it's something that uh, google put into place probably five or six years ago they mm -hmm. started uh i think they started they started actually answering a number of queries for lots of things if you started asking how old was an actor google would just tell you that as opposed to sending you to a site okay where that had and so when google initially started toying with this answering your ip address um I, I honestly, I was like, oh, that was kind of, you know, a low moment mm -hmm. in, in my thought process was like, oh, gosh, I've I've just been put out of business by Google. They. I'm I'm done. It's 90 percent of my traffic is going to be gone. And so, well, they they must only be testing it because I'm it's only, you know, I saw maybe a, a five or 10 percent drop in my traffic. Hmm. Well, they, they must just be testing it. And it's you know, it's just just me who's seeing or just some people who are seeing it. And ultimately, it turned out, you know, there's a bunch of different queries that you could do for that. Um, that you know, my, what's my IP address? What is my IP? My IP? All sure. sorts of der derivations of that, that they started. Here's the IP address that you've connected to Google with. Um, I, I felt it kind of, it was actually really surprising that I only had a minor drop in traffic. And um, even more so is it had zero impact on my revenue which is like, well, how could it have no impact? Well, I think you had the people that were, they just wanted that, mm -hmm. they got, and those are the people that previously came to my website, got the answer, hit back, closed the browser, Gone. whatever. Yeah. They never clicked on an ad, they never went anywhere on my site. Right. So ultimately what sense. ended up happening is the page views per visit actually went up. Pe the people that were coming to the site were no longer just backing away and going right. away. Right. They were actually clicking on links and looking at articles and yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, there, there's, there's more that the site does than just shows their IP address. So if the person's just doing that, then Google, will, Google can answer that. Mm -hmm. But for people who are using a VPN and they're trying to confirm their VPN, well, does the VPN, is it really in Australia? Is it really in the no. UK? Google's, you know, cross my fingers. Google is not currently answering with that kind of information. Right. It's right. just, here's a number and leave you to figure out whether that's relevant to you or not. Speaking of VPN, your uh, your site currently has a, a pop-up that it, that asks, it's a kind of a one-question survey question, if I, if I remember correctly, that says something about, are you using a VPN or something to that effect? What's the what's kind of the thought behind that, that survey? Is there some method behind the madness? 
There, there is a, a distinct method behind the madness. Uh, I actually started going through a uh, master class by Ryan Le Ryan Levesque yeah. called the, the Ask Method. Ask Method, yeah. I've got it in one and, of my browsers right now open. <laughs> and, and while that particular survey is not an Ask Method survey, it's really been inspired by uh, going, starting to getting about halfway through that process mm -hmm. and, and really trying to understand uh, we did a different version of it, of, and the question was, uh, why did you come to the website? Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and, the, and the, well, of course, to get my IP address, but it was, well, but why did you need the IP address? Yeah, that's good. And so really, a lot of this is the uh, making an effort to really understand why people are coming to the website, what are the challenges that they're having that they're trying to resolve by coming to the website, and so part of that is, when we initially did this, we found lots of people were just trying to confirm that they that their VPN was working. Mm -hmm. we, wow, that was kind of surprising. And so we wanted to dig more in finding out, um, you know, why are you using a VPN? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Which one are you using? You know, how would you right. rank it? And then for the people that aren't using VPNs, do you know what a VPN is? And you've just chosen not to use it. You mm -hmm. have no idea what it is. Because there is, there is obviously with, you know, people looking at IP addresses, there's a very good uh, tie-in for a, a product placement exactly. In, exactly. in conjunction with that, which is yeah. what we do. Um, and that makes sense. But, but better understanding the challenges that people have, which is one of the things that we've that we we did with an extensive ask method survey, is really trying to find out. Well, there's three types of VPN users out there. People who 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 want to be able to access specific content that they can't can't currently access, uh, people that are concerned about security, and so we've you know did tons of survey, you know, did did a fairly extensive survey, thousands of results, reading every single long form answer to really find out the language that people use, so that as we write articles and talk about right. VPNs, we're actually talking about it in the language that people who use them or want to use them are actually using not not industry speak not sure. technical you know, right. techno babble right. we still need to explain the product but really trying to connect with these you know the the person who's concerned about tracking talks about a vpn this way right these are their concerns so we need to write content that really resonates with that audience and explains it to them in terminology that they use sure. as opposed to terminology that i use Ad, absolutely. I, I promise I, I'm just going to ask you one more follow-up question and then we will yeah. take our deep dive. But so with that kind of traffic, you know, everybody's always talking about, oh, you've got to build your email list. You've got to build your email list. Mm -hmm. But with your traffic, I would think that 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 may not be as as imperative for you just based on the fact that you have so much traffic coming into your site, you know, through your lead funnels or whatever you want to call it. I mean, are you building a, or have you built an email list or are you relying solely off of just traffic that's coming through your site or is it some combination of the above? Uh, the, the vast majority of traffic coming to the site is uh, natural search, mm -hmm. uh, referrals, and people just, they've got it bookmarked. Um, very little from social media. It's, it's not, I mean, we get traffic, but in comparison to, you know, 200,000 people a day, if I can get 1,000 people or even if I got 10,000 people from social media in a day, that's still only 5% exactly. of my sure. traffic. So it's, it's, 
in some sense, it's really hard to move the big needle with social media and stuff like that. Right. We, we do have a mailing list. It really, to be honest, it hasn't been super effective, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to go through the ask method to really, you know, obviously this isn't working quite right. Yeah. I and mean, we've got about 40,000 people on the list. Mm -hmm. um, which again, is a small percentage of your, just your organic traffic. Correct. It's an incredibly yeah. small percentage of the traffic. And mm -hmm. even if, you know, and, and so I don't know that we can, we have to communicate value of why they should be on a mailing list. Right, right. If they're there just to get their IP address, it's like, well, why should I be on a mailing list? What are you going to tell me that I don't already know sure. that you can tell me via email? Sure. So it's something we're really trying to figure out um, to see if it's, I, I think there is value there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's going to be a, a double, triple my revenue type right, of value. Right. Um, but you but don't have to I market think, through that either. That's not correct. your that's not your primary marketing channel because of because you have such, you know, enormous numbers of I mean, your your traffic numbers are so enormous compared to the average website out there. So, um, I yeah. I see that being a, a nice problem to have. You know, yeah, it, it 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 is it's a unique problem to have lots of traffic and how do you monetize it when yeah. it's when it's not intentional looking for a product sure. looking for a service. It's very that's been one of the ongoing challenges. Of how do we effectively monetize? There's just been some advancements in technologies. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of like dictionary.com. How do you monetize that traffic? Yeah. There's no one in our listening audience, I promise you, there's no one in our listening audience that will be able to answer that question because nobody's had that problem and overcome it in our listening <laughs> audience. It's, how did I monetize 6 million visitors a month? I don't know. Yeah, that's... It, it, it's it's probably similar to like news sites having to figure out how to monetize stuff. You, yeah. you know, they've they've just chosen throw throw more and more ads on it. I'm I'm not going to go down that route. Right. It's, it's not a good experience, but they have that same sort of challenge in that you have lots of traffic, but it's not. I'm not here looking for a camcorder. I'm not looking right. to to buy a book. It's I just wanted to read the news. Yep. How do you? It's, yep. Without so annoying them. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's let's finally get to this that I've been promising for the last ten minutes. Let's let's get to this little the deep dive. Really get in your head here. So, um, other than the uh, the self deprecating comments you made earlier about not finishing university, and I'm thinking, well, neither did Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. So you're in great yeah. company there. So, what? Uh, who's somebody online that you would say really inspires you, and why? You know, I, I have to admit, I'm not one of those people that stalk people online. Sure. I, I'm not a, I'm not a Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Um, not, not that I'm not a fan of sure. his. Sure, sure. And it, they don't have to be online. I mean, you can just say, yeah, yeah this is this is who my inspiration <laughs> is, yeah. I, to, to me, I'm, I'm inspired by people who could do things that I can't do, mm. that are just, that have fundamentally different skill sets. Um, I don't. Do you know who uh, Adam Savage is? No, I don't. So Adam Savage was one of the guys from MythBusters, and he is uh, come the redheaded guy. Yes, he's the redheaded uh, guy. Okay, yeah. He came up through like prop making and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and so uh, he has a new business called Tested, and I think they're actually coming out with MythBusters, MythBusters Junior in the near future. But on Tested, they just he just builds stuff. And it's just to me, it's really neat to see someone who who can, who has that kind of artistic yeah. skill set of building things, yeah. and 
but he also has this very technical, um, practical side mm-hmm. of, you know, processes and orders, and exactly. I, that kind of resonates with me. And then he's always MythBusters. They always had this uh, uh, saying that fail, failure is always an option. <laughs> but it was that attitude of like, look, thing, it, it's not, it's not always going to work. Right. Sometimes it's going to be a dismal fa- failure, yeah. and I think that's a valuable life lesson that we have to be careful watching these, uh, the online personalities right. that they're only going to show us their successes for yep. the most part. They're not going to say, Oh, you know, I spent $10 million on this product line and we sold three of them yep. Yep. because that's, you know, that's, that's just not who they are. It certainly didn't they help do. their sales. I mean, what did yeah, Edison it, say? He said, I didn't, I didn't fail. I found 10,000 ways a light bulb didn't work or something exactly. to that effect, you know? Yeah. So tell me, uh, if you could go back, um, kind of to go back a few years where, where you were in a completely different stage of business development or whatever, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself that you wish you knew then that you know now? Can I, can I give you two? Sure. Uh, one is get a business coach, mm-hmm. someone who can see your business from the outside, who thinks differently and can slap you upside the head when you're doing stupid things and you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the other thing that I that, that I'm kind of in the process of wrestling with now is um, design things, processes in your business that can be handed off to other people. Mm. Um, kind of the myth, work on your business instead of in it type thing. Well, being able to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. I for so many things on my website, I was the person who coded it. I'm the person right. who maintains it, and. I've been the person responding to the bulk of the support, you know, the support tickets. And so consequently, I didn't build SOPs. I didn't yep. build ways for other people to log in and do maintenance. Right. You know, on things. Yep. And now I'm having to retool things and rethink things of like, okay, how do I train someone to do this mm-hmm. now that I'm so far into the weeds with this, yep. that I, you know, like you said, I, I'm so much in the, in so spending so much of my time doing the business mm. as opposed to directing or managing the business that I'm trying to, I got to get my, you know, working to get myself out of these, these areas where right. this is not, and that, and that was one of the things that the, the business coach helped me to realize specifically he, the, the first place that he made me realize it was with accounting. Mm-hmm. Not that I've switched my accounting off, but he asked, you know, so he's just asking about the business. So um, who do you have doing your accounting? And I was very proudly, I'm doing my accounting. <laughs> me and QuickBooks. <laughs> me and QuickBooks. And his response was, okay, we've talked about how much money you'll make a year. So do you realize that you're paying your uneducated, untrained, no industry experience accountant this amount of money an hour to do a crappy job? <laughs> Well, yes, I recognize that. Of course I did. <laughs> Thanks for posing and, it that way. And, you know, to me, I was I was all happy about the fact that, look, I'm doing all this by myself. Exactly. I don't, you know, in my mind, I was, I don't have to rely on anybody. But he was really just kind of saying, well, well, maybe it's with the accounting, I, because, of the, because of the way my business is set up, it was only a couple hours a month. Maybe it's not really able to be outsourced. But it was that thought process of, is this worth the amount of, you know, is this really where I should be spending my yeah. valuable time? Yeah. Should I be spending 
my valuable time deleting logs, rotating logs, backing things up? Should I be spending my my time answering support tickets? Well, some of them should be me, and sure. some of them could probably be handled by somebody else. Yep. Um, you know, should I be the one who is coding the HTML these days? <laughs> no, anybody. You know, yeah, I'm a really expensive web developer. I you know, I, no I shouldn't be doing that. And you're a more expensive accountant. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and a really crummy accountant. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't all us non-accountants for sure? <laughs> Let's, let let me uh, let me close by just asking you: Do you have a, a life quote that that really just kind of inspires you or drives you? That's that one line that you look at. You got it taped up on your wall by your laptop, whatever. There's a quote that I really love that I think entrepreneurs need to to to, to memorize. Mm-hmm. It's, if you're the if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know who said it, but once we think that we're the smartest person, we're in trouble. We're not going to learn. We're not going to grow, whether it's personal life or professional life. You, you've got to be open to outside input and, and realizing that people have skills and talents that you don't have. And you need to be able to listen to people who are experts in their fields. Yeah, Chris, that is that is such great advice. And I I love the way that uh, I mean, I, I actually got those this, that question I was I had in my list to ask you one before, but I, I, what a great way to to end our interview today. So just why don't you just bring us home and tell us where you can we can find you online? And um, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you just want to add to this? Uh, I will tell you where people can find me online, and then I'll I'll, I'll throw in uh, some tidbits for entrepreneurs out there. Great. Um, so obviously you can find me at uh, whatismyipaddress.com, mm-hmm. which is the website for me. But if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can go to cgparker.com and kind of see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of running the business that I'm putting together and um, starting to uh, try to help people outside of whatismyipaddress.com with uh, online privacy and online safety. And so I think there's there's three things that all entrepreneurs should do. Uh-huh. Uh, if you don't have an offsite backup for your computer, get one today. It could be Carbonite, anyone. Um, often I hear people say, well, I've, I've got that backup hard drive sitting on my desk, and once a week, if I remember it, I, I copy everything onto the backup drive. And <laughs> Well, that's good if you remember, and, and most of us aren't really good at repeating things every Friday before we walk out of the office, sure. so it's probably only getting done once a month. And the other thing is that back it's not really a backup if you're if someone broke into your house and stole your computer and the hard drive right next to it it's all gone if you're oh heaven forbid your house burns down you get flooded out it's gone you don't you're, you're if your backup isn't off-site then it's not really a truly a backup right right and i and i've helped a couple business owners out with that and you know i remember one guy he was down for the owner of the company was down for three or four days, no mm-hmm. access to all of his notes, all of his files, yeah. while we sent the drive off to a drive saver to, to recover everything. Luckily, we were able to get the vast majority of it back, but if he had just had an off-site backup, yeah, maybe you got to spend the night downloading stuff, but how, how you know, for $60 a year versus sure. four days of being offline. Exactly, yeah, or yeah. Some, some things you may never recover, so. Yes, if you're lucky, you, you, you're lucky. you get yeah. And that can help with like ransomware and stuff sure. like that. You don't have to pay ransom when you, well, I've got a backup. We don't have to worry about the ransom. Sure. Um, use a password manager. Um, 
there's there's everybody's being everyone's been breached in the last uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, if they haven't been breached, they will be breached. And if you're using the same password for your email address in two places, yep, they're going to get into another account. And yep. password managers are just a way to go. Uh, if you want to find out if your email address has ever been associated with a breach, uh, there's a guy, Troy Hunt, who has put together uh, a massive database of all the breaches that he's been able to get data from called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong and then correct it. Have I been owned, but instead of an O, a P. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the hacker term for being owned is sure. take the O, make yeah. it a P. Right. Type in your email address, and it'll tell you every database that that email address has been compromised on. And that should be kind of a red flag to people of like, oh, wow, I better use a password manager. I can't, you know, I can't keep using that same password on everything that I do. And then uh, use a VPN when you're out in public Wi-Fi or traveling. Great advice. Great advice. And absolutely necessary. Yes, absolutely. From someone who spends about half his life in a Starbucks, absolutely necessary. So let me read offsite backups, use password managers, and use a VPN. What what great sage advice for our, for our listeners and just everyone, not just entrepreneurs, but everyone. But Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. And, and uh, even though we are called Rising Tide Startups, you know, your 20-year startup, we appreciate you, you kind of... Uh, outlining the path and the, the brief timeline and uh, just actually just speaking into our lives and, and the, the lives of our listeners and just giving us some sage advice, some good life lessons, good business lessons, and, and just things to, you know, just practical steps to so that we actually will do things better and, and more efficiently. And uh, Chris, just once again, thanks again for taking your time and, and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Kevin. You too. 